Hey guys, I hope you're all enjoying this podcast. I know I'm really enjoying doing it. It's my favorite thing to connect with people and go deep and see where our journeys overlap and how we can inspire each other through connection. And if you've ever thought about doing a podcast, I invite you to try it. It's really easy. And the platform that I'm using to create this podcast, Anchor, makes it really simple. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast, which means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if you've ever thought about it and you have an iPhone or a desktop that you can record podcasts at, Try it right away. It's really simple and fun, and it's a great way to connect and build community. Now back to the podcast. This is the Souls of San Francisco podcast by Souls of Society. I'm Dijon, founder of Souls of Society. Each week, we connect with a member of our community to hear their story and get to know them better so we can strengthen our community bonds. Today, I'm here in Oakland with Angela Hale, drinking tea out of a cup with some big love on it. <laughs> and her space is very much, um, it's really beautiful, high wooden ceilings and instruments strewn about everywhere and art, and she has glitter on her eyelids, <laughs> and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. So, I I think maybe the first time I knew anything about you was I was friends with Graham. And I'm sure we probably have more mutual friends, but on Facebook, I think your picture came up on like, you may know this person. Mm -hmm. And I clicked on your page and I was like, oh, this seems like a... A happy person, someone I would like to know, and then a few months later, I ended up over here and met you, mm-hmm. and you seem pretty awesome. <laughs> and I was specifically um, compelled to get to know you more when I read your post about like hibernating for the winter. And I call it my dark night of the soul post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dark night of the soul winter. It was powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we don't have to go there first, just in general, I'd like to, <laughs> like to uh, know more about you, like, where are you from? You have mm-hmm. a unique look. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Uh, like, what's my heritage? Yeah. My, um, all over the place, mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere, from everywhere. My mom's um, heritage is um, pretty strictly European. She's Swedish and Finnish and German, and we're sure that there's some other things thrown in there. Both of her parents were adopted, and we're not totally certain. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my dad's side, his dad is English and Scottish. Hale, my last name, means like hearty and vital, uh-huh. English roots. And um, his mom, who I look like, is Spanish and Portuguese and Tarahumaran. They're yeah. the um, they're indigenous to the Copper Canyon in Mexico, to the Sierra Madre there. And 
they are known for barefoot running. That whole barefoot running trend a few years ago is um, rooted in Tarahumaran culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, so those are like your deeper roots, but did you grow up in California? Did you... Yeah, I grew up like half an hour from here. Um, you were like born here? I was born in San Francisco, and then I was a tiny human in Marin, and we lived in Mill Valley, and the Marin Headlands are still the place that feel the most like home in the world. Mm-hmm. And then after the earthquake in 1989, my mom's company relocated their headquarters from downtown San Francisco out to the Burbs in San Ramon. And your mom's company is what? Now it's AT&T. At the time it was Pacific Bell. Okay. Um, and she did one day of that commute with little babies at home and came home and said, we're moving. And we did. So I grew up in San Ramon in the Burbs. Mm-hmm. With your, your dad too? Um, no, my parents divorced when I was eight, and my dad was always around. He lived in Alamo, um, so he was like 20 minutes away in the foothills of Mount Diablo, which was amazing as a kid. There were horses around, and oak trees to climb, and snakes and lizards to catch, and pomegranates to pick, and rocks to scramble around on, and I loved that. Sounds like that's... Where you got your magical <laughs> beginnings, maybe. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. My sister and I spent most of our childhood um, outside, and the creek was our favorite place if we couldn't be at the beach. So. Younger sister? Yeah, Rebecca. And I'm an 82 baby, what are you? 85. 85, and mm-hmm. your sister is? 87. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're, I guess, technically kind of in your Saturn return. Um, tail end. Yeah. Yeah, tail end for sure. Feeling the the um, <laughs> the tail going into the snake's mouth, the circle complete. Um, not like it's manifested physically yet, but like it's been a hell of a ride the last few years. It's been, um, it really has been like a rebirth, and I feel like. Like where I'm at now, all of the little seeds that I've planted over, you know, really intentionally in the last several years and perhaps um, more serendipitously in my life before that. Um, Like I didn't really know what I was creating, but I was in training all along. Um, Maybe for many lifetimes before that. It feels like the the seeds that I've been planting just kind of went boop. Mm -hmm. And now they've sprung up. I'm tending them and nurturing them, and they're reaching for the sun, these sweet, sprightly little baby plants. <laughs> what are some of those seeds? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, um, I'm really like heart and soul nurturing my business right now, and that's something that I felt called to in one way or another my whole life, but it was like I didn't really know how to listen to the calls and the last few years have been a process of deepening my listening and um, so now (laughs) now I'm in this place where the yeses are really clear and and it feels like it's it's taking off not like a rocket ship but like a little baby plant 
Can you explain more what you mean when you say the yeses are really clear? Um, yeah, I think, well, um, I've been practicing ease. I've been, um, you know, I've spent, I spent so much of my life pushing and managing and controlling and doing things that I thought that I was supposed to do because that's what people did or because that's what people expected of me or because that's what I expected of myself. And a lot of that had to do with um, being uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. with being, um, with uncertainty and with imperfection. Mm -hmm. And as I have... I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm, um, as I've sort of moved away from the mountain of should and gotten in integrity with the little whispers inside of myself, um, the things that are not the yeses have fallen away. Like it's just been clearer and clearer what doesn't work for me in my life and what I'm called to do. And I think when we, when we really and truly surrender, when we um, have space for whatever is inside and outside, um, when we When we are all right with being uncomfortable and uncertain and imperfect, we're no longer stifled by the shoulds or buried in the fear. We get unstuck and we're free to really fully choose our lives. And so, I mean, you know, it sounds like it's all, <laughs> it sounds like it's all like sunshiny sparkles, but it really is a process of rebirth and rebirth is fucking messy. And um, that's what the last few years, the Saturn return has been like for me. And so now I'm in this place where like, I feel so clear on my power and my purpose and who I am and what I'm here to do. And so that's a big yes. And it feels really, really clear. And there are a lot of no's that go along with every yes. And I'm in a place now where it's like, my yeses are clear and I cannot unknow what I know about about the yeses, about what I'm here for. What are you here for? <laughs> I am here to remind people who they really are, to connect people to their hearts and their power. Um, and that is really all just about love. So I'm here to love. <laughs> so on a, I totally understand what you're saying, but on a like earth level, <laughs> Um, maybe like where were you before and what were the things you had to say no to to yeah. get to where you are now? That's a great question. Um, let's, let's, well, I was going to say let's start with five years ago, but it's all kind of interwoven and I don't know that time is really a thing that will be helpful here. So um, where I was, was feeling really stuck. I felt um, overwhelmed pretty frequently. I felt like I was kind of scrambling to keep up and I was exhausted and I got sick all the time. Um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and with kidney disease. So I was in a lot of physical pain um, and really tired and kind of foggy a lot of the time. And I worked for a long time in politics. Um, 
I was passionate about climate policy. I love the natural world and that seemed really important and really urgent. And so I had this like big should about it. Like I was passionate about it and I was really, really good at what I did and it was really important. So I had to do that. Like it was my duty. Um, and when I finally burned out there, I transitioned into tech with a company that um, is really an example setter for corporate social responsibility. And I thought, you know, like this is a company that has money and power and are doing good things in the world. And so maybe I, maybe it'll be easier. Maybe it won't feel like such a struggle if I had more resources. And so I shifted into this company and, um, it was just as much of a struggle. And from there, it was like, I started deepening my practice of yoga. And yoga has been really, um, really powerful for me in transforming my relationship with my body and really getting connected to, to those yeses, to that little voice inside, to, um, to what feels true for me, what feels like, like my highest being in integrity. Um, and as I deepened my listening to my body and whatever it was that was coming up for me in any moment, like feelings and thoughts, um, I could no longer lie to myself. Like I, you know, like I said, like I couldn't unknow what I knew. And what I knew was that, um, it wasn't working for me to sit at a desk under fluorescent lights all day. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't working for me to live in this kind of fear place of should and to live, <coughs> um, and to live in scarcity. Like I was coming from a lot of fear and I was also coming from a lot of stories about who I was and what I could have in my life. And what that looked like for me is like, um, I grew up with a lot of stories around how it wasn't really okay to be messy. And I thought that it was my job to make other people's lives easier. Like, um, like if my parents were stressed out, I had this like really sweet kind of little nice girl voice I would put on. And like, uh, like even thinking about it, I can feel it in my shoulders now. It's exhausting. Uh -huh. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of room for myself to be uncomfortable. And because I'm a human, um, things being uncertain was really uncomfortable to me. So I was really scared of leaving um, my job in tech. And, um, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't lie to myself anymore. And so I had this kind of like big, what felt like, like a big storm come through in that dark night of the soul winter. And I had to really look at, well, I, I didn't have to, I really wanted to look at, I really felt ready to look at these like deep rooted, long running stories. And what I realized was that I didn't really have any space for me to be how I was. It was like that slog, that struggle, that constant scramble was about um, feeling safe. And it was because I didn't know how to be okay with feeling uncertain. I didn't know how to feel safe while I felt uncertain or while I felt uncomfortable or while I felt imperfect. And the more wholly and tenderly I learned to hold myself and meet myself, the more clear I got. It's like I got out from under the thumb of fear 
and I got to choose my life. I got to say, no, no, I'm not going to sit under those fluorescent lights anymore. I'm going to Mexico. And, um, and I, I have now, where I felt stuck before, I now have this sense of freedom. And where I felt before, like when I was uncomfortable, I had to get comfortable, like fix it, make it be okay. Um, it feels easeful now to be like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm pretty uncomfortable right now. And, and then I get to choose how I want to be about it. You know, it's not like something that I have to fix or change or manage or control anymore. Um, I get to live from, from love. I get to live from my heart instead of from should or from fear. Does that make more sense? Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Cool. There's a lot of benefits from yoga. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I love yoga. It's... Um, um, I mean, it really did transform my relationship with my body. Like, I found yoga after, um, in 2008, um, or yoga found me, and I was recovering from a traumatic brain injury, and I was feeling just way off kilter, um, and I had more emotional and cognitive recovery in two weeks on my mat than I had had in two months of physical therapy, and... It became sort of like, like if deep listening is the heart of my practice of really um, wholeness and and wildness and freedom, um, yoga was one of the first things that really um, connected me to what there was to listen to. Like all of the signals are already inside of us. Um, we just, I just was ready to learn to listen. And yoga was kind of the first step for me. So, yay. Yay. All right, so you, you quit your job under the fluorescent lights. Mm-hmm. You went to Mexico. Mm-hmm, yep. For how long? Just for a week. And then you came back. I actually quit my job the day I got back from Mexico. Okay. But I knew I was going to do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then when you came back and you quit your job, then, then what? Well, I, I had just completed yoga teacher training. And so all of this, um, all of these kind of little pops or growth spurts um, during that time period really came out of um, my, my devotion to deepening that listening and yoga teacher training was part of that. So in many ways it came out of teacher training. Um, and I, so I, yeah, I already knew I was going to quit my job um so then I came back and I knew that I had been called to be a teacher somebody asked me a few weeks ago like when did I decide to be a teacher a yoga teacher specifically and um I kind of laughed because you know as much as I have committed to um what it is for me is not so much like being a teacher but really just sharing my own practice um because I don't know what the answers are. Um, I just know what my experience has been. And um, I feel like I'm rambling now, but yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a yoga teacher now. Yeah. So I teach yoga. I teach public and private yoga classes and I teach workshops. I lead workshops. Um, And 
and I will be adding retreats soon. And I work with people one-on-one also. Um, like as, as a yoga as like teacher? A, as like a spirit guide. Huh. Yeah. And what, what would that look like? It's a lot of long walks and hanging out in the hammocks and drinking tea and just talking about whatever there is, you know, whatever is alive for people. Kind of what we're doing now. Kind of, yeah. 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 Yeah, except you would be talking a lot more if we were doing that. Hmm. Well, this is a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not an interview, so mm-hmm. we can converse. Great. Um, but I have more questions. <laughs> okay. Um, what percentage chocolate do you like? Like That's a great question. That's really important. It is important. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't, I don't eat sugar. So I go with like straight cacao. Straight cacao? Yeah. And I'll, I make these like little chocolate truffles um, that I make with cacao and either like raw almond butter or cashews and honey and um, sometimes coconut and like cardamom and cinnamon, but there's no sugar. So I don't know what, what percentage cacao comes in, but dark. I like dark chocolate. That's an answer. No sugar. So <laughs> no you sugar. You don't like chocolate. Dark chocolate. I will chew on some straight up cacao nibs. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you also don't, you told me you don't eat grains and potatoes. Mm-hmm. So what? Is what's what's what, my deal? What, yeah, what's your diet about? <laughs> what is your diet? Um, I, I follow a diet called the specific carbohydrate diet. Um, and it's no grains at all. That includes corn and rice and quinoa and no sugar. Honey's okay, but no maple or agave Uh and no starches like potatoes or garbanzo beans Uh and any dairy, um, has to be aged more than 30 days. And when I, I see the look on your face, like, <laughs> whoa. Well, I'm just wondering what your consciousness is like, because I know the different ways I eat, the way my, like, what I pick up in the field changes so much. And I've never heard anyone with that specific concoction of diets. So yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I'm also vegetarian. Okay. Um, and that's not part of the SCD diet. That's just me. Okay. So, yeah. So when I first um, started eating that way or first heard about eating that way, it sounded super inconvenient. Like, just like a lot, like a big commitment, like kind of a pain in the ass. And the idea is that, so I had, I had, um, I actually, this is when I got back from Mexico. When I came back from Mexico, I had the kind of like typical... Mexican gut bug fiesta <laughs> happening uh-huh. for like a month and I had like two or three rounds of antibiotics and I was in the emergency room and nothing was helping and it was awful and I started researching online and I found this kind of like woo hippie concoction of like enzymes and activated charcoal and oregano oil and all these things and um, the idea was that it would really get your gut bugs in check and I was talking with it. I was talking with one of my friends about this, and 
we were talking about kind of like like the miracle that is the microbiome in your guts. Like you've got more neurotransmitters in your guts than you've got in your brain. It's like super alive in there. Mm-hmm. And um, has a pretty like interwoven, I mean, it is... <laughs> It is your mood and your absorption of nutrients and your energy. And um, so I started paying more attention to my gut bugs. And then this friend told me that she had read a study about gut bugs and fibromyalgia, IBS, and Crohn's. And the idea was that those conditions may be caused by an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. And that if you can kind of like get that overgrowth in check, you can cure these supposedly incurable conditions. And that was really fascinating, having had like 17 years of totally debilitating pain and fatigue. And it also sounded like pain in the ass. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And kind of like, maybe I'll... Which one of those did you have? I have fibromyalgia. Okay. Yeah. yeah or had, yeah. I, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I was really only like, I was like, yeah, like maybe I had another trip coming up and I was like, maybe I'll try it when I get back from Bali. Maybe. <laughs> and when I was in Bali, this was like on the heels of Mexico, like my kind of like fun employment, um, celebrate spirit, yoga teacher, teacher, you know, training completion, um, extravaganza and and I went to Bali with my teacher and had a session with a woman there that really just clarified kind of everything that I had um, felt in the last several months really clearly and in the last the years before before that like kind of about um, who I am and what I'm doing here and 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 that felt really clear and then at the end of our session she and I were kind of downloading, like just sitting across from each other, like, oh, like this is, this is my experience. And you know, this is what I saw. And she looked at me and she kind of hesitated as I was on my way out the door. And she said, you know, Angela, I make it a point never to give anyone advice. I like to just like tell them what I see and let them walk their own path. And our whole session had really been about like, what is my highest path in this life and I hadn't said a word to her she just sort of knew that that's what I had been being with and and so she looks at me and she's like and I just you know I've got to tell you they like the guides that I walked in with she was like they are not going to let me let you leave unless I tell you no more grains for you and in that moment what shifted for me was that I had been thinking about it like do I want pizza is it worth being uncomfortable because I already knew that most of these foods made me feel crappy you know and so I would like just have them in moderation and or I would lie to myself about it and be like no it's fine (laughs) um and it became instead of like do I want pizza is it worth like feeling crappy for a little while it became like do I want pizza or do I want to walk my highest path Like, do I want a bagel or do I want golden beams of light shooting out of my head? And that feels really, really easy. So I thought that it was going to feel kind of stifling and inconvenient, but I I get my choice in it. And like people say to me, like, oh, you can't have this cookie, can you? And I'm like, I can. I bet you'd give me a bite if I wanted a bite. And they're like, of course. 
but I don't want it anymore. I don't want the cookie. I want the golden beams of light. <laughs> Sunbeam. Yeah. 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 So when was that? That was not this last April, but the April before that. So like a year and three quarters ago. Uh-huh. Good for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of experience it like it's not just good for me. Like I get to be of service when I'm on. And that is one of the things that it takes for me to be on. So it's awesome for me. And it, and like, it benefits everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the beams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are your favorite ways to express love? Oh, what a beautiful question. Um, my very, very favorite way to love and to be loved is attention. And that sounds like a really, really broad thing. But what I mean by attention is, again, that like really deep listening. Like I love to love people with my whole presence. Like to really be with people when I'm with people. Um, and I don't miss much, you know? And like, that's like, you like look around the house and it's like every little thing and it's not about control or perfection. It's just like, like I can kind of feel it out and feel the way that it wants to be in, uh-huh. you know? Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I love to, I love to love people in that way to like sit here with you and like notice the shifts in your body and the shifts in your breath and, the little things that flash across your eyes even for just a moment. And um, I love that. And I also love, um, I love making people feel at home. That's really special and important to me. And I think we get to do that like outside and inside. I like to be so much space in unconditional love that people get to like take that that like surrendering exhale and totally relax, which feels to me like holding people. And so I also really love cuddling people. That's one of my favorite ways to love people. Physically and energetically? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Uh Yeah. And what's some of your favorite ways to receive love? Um, I love, I mean, the same things. I really, the same things. I also love surprises. Um, But the surprises that I love really go back to that first thing about attention like I love surprises that are not necessarily grand but they are like so that make it so clear that I'm seen that somebody's like I see you like I know what would make a difference for you bing here's Mm -hmm. this like those are the ones that really blow me away Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. I'm curious about um, what came up for you in the, the dark night of the soul post that, how do you want to talk with me? Cause there's a lot there, you know? I think it was just the truth of it. It wasn't like a specific part. It was that you were really looking at yourself Mm. and you were really with yourself and you weren't in a hurry to move through anything. It was just like this steady, measured 
like this is what's happening over here and like then this happened and now I'm here Mm -hmm. and now this is going on Mm -hmm. and I felt very centered and that you didn't bypass anything yeah And those are the type of people I like to be around. <laughs> because I feel like we are the, you know, the sum of our experiences and the sum of our reflections. Mm-hmm. I think that's hard for a lot of people. In what way? Well, I think, um, I think we are um, in this culture that really encourages us to believe that we're supposed to be a certain way, like that mountain of should. Um, and like something is wrong if we're not happy all of the time. Um, and so, you know, you're saying that like you want to be with people who can really be with whatever is there to be with. Um, but like, I know like for me, it took a lot of work to get to the place where I could really be with whatever there was to be with. Like, like where I was before was like, oh yeah, Dijon, like I'm super freaked out about leaving my job and moving out of my apartment, but it's fine because I know that it's like really what I want and that moving in with people will, you know, mean that I can leave tech and like, I'm so sad about my boyfriend and I breaking up, but, but it's okay because like he ultimately wasn't really available to me and this will free space for what it is that I do want and like just skipping it. You know, or like naming it, like labeling it, but not actually letting myself feel it. Be like, oh yeah, no, I'm super sad about that. But, but it's fine because silver lining the shit out of everything, which is an awesome survival tool. You know, we are here and we're alive, but it doesn't really create much space for us to, to thrive. Um, And I think that, I think that that can be really hard for people. Because again, like we talk about um, creation and rebirth, like it's this beautiful, sparkly, sunshiny thing but it's super messy and it can be really really scary and we we're like not given a lot of tools to know how to navigate fear and uncertainty we tend to just want to like shut it down (laughs) you know yeah I do know what you mean yeah so I've I've been told that I'm hard to be friends with because I don't think that's like the prevailing belief but like I've heard that from people who who don't really want to um, don't really want to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, and I think I know what people mean when they say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you allow for a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same as what you were saying when people are like, oh... I broke with my boyfriend, but I didn't really want to be in that relationship anyways. It's like there's not space. It immediately goes to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like when people talk to you, you probably allow space for what they said to <laughs> kind of reverberate. And then they feel all squirmy sometimes. Right. And yeah. it's like, oh, I, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> there's awkward silence. But I, as you probably have ascertained already, like silence is not awkward for me. Yeah usually you communicate more I feel like Mm -hmm. so but I have learned a lot about human beings and silence and space what have you learned the same things that 
you were saying about noticing people and Mm -hmm. where their voice is coming from in their body and if they're fidgeting and how they respond to how close I am to them and Mm -hmm. do you use your powers for good what do you think (laughs) I think sometimes yeah Uh uh-huh I feel like one thing that I've been learning doing this project is like taking in reflections and taking in feedback and at the same time like not taking things personally and not being defensive mm-hmm. you know there's like a, a center point in between like those things right mm-hmm. um, and I also feel like you you know that I'm like on my path yeah and I am happy with who I am and how I show up yeah um, and it is good to be in that place and it has taken a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things to tell people, regardless of where they're at or how they feel or what is up for them, is you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. You're doing great. I feel like one interesting thing about where I'm at is like some of the relationships I have that I feel like people are reflecting myself but like a younger version of myself mm, interesting you know yeah. and I'm like oh that's what it feels like you know oh, yeah. to have that happen or this person interact with you in this way yeah and It's cool. It's interesting. It's kind of cool that you have um, gotten so clear on how you used to show up, like what those patterns were that you can now recognize them. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, from this experience, I realized that people are always, it's always like me talking to myself. Of course. You know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like really it's just like opportunities to practice loving from different perspectives Mm -hmm. and having compassion for people and I think it's maybe easier to have compassion if you can like see yourself in the action yeah or in the way of being yeah absolutely yeah I think empathy is like one of the most transformative powerful practices there is and it's a moment to moment you know yeah it's it's hard sometimes yeah yeah Yeah. well it takes a lot like you can't like really like show up in love and in empathy if you don't have boundaries and that's its own that's a whole other thing (laughs) you know boundaries oh yeah yeah it's a really fun one (laughs) boundaries are a really interesting thing in the bay area because i i feel like People sometimes, and even myself at times, have have seen like unconditional love and boundaries as being like um, fighting each other. Mm. You know, like if you're unconditionally loving, then you accept someone under any circumstance. Whereas, but is that loving toward yourself? Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. Um, I think they're, I think they are, I think they totally depend on each other rather than being like opposing forces. I, I think agree. that you can't, you absolutely like cannot come from love unless you have clear boundaries. I think that's been my, my deepest lesson of, of the past year to year and a half of my life is mm-hmm. like understanding that. Um, and it's interesting because people have a lot of alternative relationship styles and like dating and polyamorous or like multiple sexual partners and people try to expand in love. And specifically in the Bay Area community, I feel like it is bypassy sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are some situations where I feel like people are very conscious and like communicative and it's just like you were saying, it's like, mm-hmm. where are you coming from? Yeah, you right. Know, it's like, are you coming from a place of wanting to authentically connect? Or are you like running from the depth of some connection? Or are you behaving in some sort of compulsive way? Yeah. Or like, yeah. Um, it's been interesting to navigate. Sometimes traumatic. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I think boundaries are related to everything else we've been talking about like like it's really hard to have boundaries if you don't actually know like if boundaries are like what's okay and what's not okay for you Mm. it's impossible to have boundaries unless you know what's okay with you and what's not like what it is that you want and it's hard to know what you want if you don't really have a practice of connecting into what's real for you, that deep listening practice. And, and like, there's a pretty big spiritual community here in the Bay Area, and a lot of it, in my, in my experience, can be super bypassy. Yeah. Like, instead of feeling the thing that might be the thing that really gets you clear on what it is that you want, what works for you and what doesn't. Like, instead of feeling that thing, like, just flood it with love and light, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is just, like, another kind of word for, or can be another way of saying, like, fix it, change it, transform it, heal it. Like, make it be different than it is. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense that there's, like, a lot of um, confusion around dating and sex and love in the Bay Area. And boundaries. Yeah, and boundaries. Yeah. Well, also the thing is, at least for me, is there are some things that are like maybe hard boundaries across the board, but a lot of them are relational. Sure. Well, boundaries can change over time. You know, a boundary, that's why it's not called rules. A boundary is not the same as a rule. Right, And but it's not just over time. It's, like, interrelational, right? Obviously, like, certain things are okay in certain relationships and not in others. Sure. I think what I'm... Why does that feel hard? I don't think it does feel hard. I think it... For me, it's actually, I enjoy it more because it's more about presence. Yeah, yeah. And the presence of, because even, like, even within one relationship, right, like, 
the boundaries may shift from moment to moment. So it's not like um, this type of behavior is okay in general. It's like feeling out the situation and then responding based on what feels right at the time. What do you mean? I mean, specifically in like exploring intimacy with people. Mm -hmm. Not just like physical, but... But those are agreements. That's not the same as necessarily as boundaries. That's like what agreements you have with somebody. Boundaries are like, I want to be treated with respect. And that's not going to change from partner to partner. Okay. You know, or like, I want um, authentic connection, which depends on um, integrity and honesty. You know, I want open communication like, um, agreements might, might shift around, you know, like sometimes this is okay. And sometimes it's not like what you and I agree to in the bedroom is not the same as what we agree to at Safeway or whatever, Right. you know? So I guess maybe we're but just using different language. Maybe. Like, yeah. yeah. Like boundaries are like, like, like big picture for me, like what is okay and what's not uh-huh. okay. You know? And so what that ends up actually looking like might shift around a little bit and be different. But like my boundaries are me standing in my power and saying like, this is what works for me. This is what doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that might show up in terms of like agreements inside a relationship. They might, boundaries might be expressed in that way, but that's like smaller than what the big kind of boundary Yeah, I understand what is. you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's just like, obviously in your work, you exchange energy with a lot of people. Yeah. That's kind of like what your work is, is like allowing space and exchanging energy, as do I, mm-hmm, right? So, mm-hmm. like figuring out how much energy I want to exchange with people, you know, especially because I... This is a unique way of doing this. Like, I've done... 15 or 20 podcasts but usually it's like from nothing to this on the street right Mm -hmm. you just like move Mm -hmm. into this kind of like intimate energetic space which for me is is really cool because it's guided by synchronicity um but i'm pretty comfortable like kind of like popping into that space and then like leaving that space and feeling like that's accessible with anyone Mm -hmm. like that's the point it's accessible for anyone but I think on, on the other end, it's like that was maybe one experience of a lot of depth that was unexpected. So there's like a more residual like intimacy. That makes sense what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like it's like it's like your life is that you are walking around making these connections with people and for other people it might be a little bit more anomalous yeah and so it sticks with them it sort of radiates and leaves this ripple and therefore it kind of sticks with me to a certain degree because yeah you want to try like you don't want to not maintain these connections and just like have it be a disconnection but I guess I'm trying to operate in a way that you can have that connection with anyone and that the person you're supposed to be having it with is the person who's in front of you. Yeah. What's stopping you? 
I don't think anything's stopping me. I think that's what I'm doing, but I'm, it's part of that learning is how to maintain proper boundaries and stay in the present. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, I'm accumulating these, all these connections. I feel like at a, maybe a faster rate or a faster pace. Yeah. And I don't know that I feel like it always serves me to try to maintain all of them. Do you feel like you have to, or you should? Part of me does. You know, it's just like you want to be, it's like, it's, it's something as simple as someone, if someone texts you, you know, or they're like, you give them your card, right? And then they're, and they hit you up and they're like, hey, you know, and they just want to continue the energetic interaction, which is, which is cool, Mm -hmm. but it's just not possible for me to do that with everyone. Mm -hmm. So, so like what there is to get clear on for you is like what feels nourishing for you. Right. You know, and then that's your boundary. Exactly. But I mean, I think it's the same thing you said you were dealing with about trying to make people feel comfortable. You know? like About not trying to make people feel comfortable. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> but you used to try I don't, to make people I'm not people really, feel I'm not, in, well, yeah, I used to. I used to because I thought that being uncomfortable wasn't okay. And that if my feelings were too big or I was too bright, or I was too messy and dark and twisty, then I, w- then, then I wasn't lovable. Mm. So I would try to make people comfortable out of this like fear place. Mm-hmm. And now it's not so much that I'm trying to make them feel comfortable. I actually am like not particularly interested in comfort anymore. Yeah. But I am interested in creating space where people feel fully held and where they feel safe and where they feel seen and where they feel loved. And that's different than comfort. Totally. Yeah. I think moving from that place to where you are now is similar to me moving from a place where I think I have to be be something. Mm-hmm. Like be good almost. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Just being like, I don't don't feel like doing that, you know, Mm -hmm. and having that be the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I want, you know, in terms of like, yeah, I don't feel like doing that. Like I, I want to, um, be responsible for my commitments to people and to myself. And I want to, you know, I want to be in integrity. And so like, I also don't want to do things that don't feel aligned. And so it's like front end work, getting clear on what feels aligned so that I can then say, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Tell me what a perfect day for you is like in as much detail as possible. Oh my gosh. Mm, um, well, it changes all the time. Depending on what feels aligned, it's like not like it's not gonna be the same every day. Uh-huh. You know? But I can tell you what I, here's the thing I think that is sweet about that and also that might not give you the answer that you 
or be answering the question that you're asking. Uh -huh. um, perfect day for me is more about being than it is doing. So, you know, the first thing that like popped into my head when I went to answer you was like, what would I do first thing when I woke up? But that's the thing that's going to look different every day. Like today, the perfect thing to do was what my body and my heart really wanted was to sleep in a little bit and then to pick up my daily readers while I was still in bed and do some reading and then sit up in my bed and make a little pile of pillows and do some meditation and then call my partner. Um, but that won't be the same perfect day tomorrow. So I think my perfect day is really based on that listening. Like my perfect day is, um, present and easeful, like no pushing and struggling, just, just being the space. Um, and it's playful and connected. So sometimes that might look like um, like making an amazing breakfast. Um, sometimes it might look like pushing breakfast until later in the day because I want to do handstands or I want to go for a walk. Um, I like to play outside. I Cuddling is always part of a perfect day. Um, yoga writing and creative projects and like really, really being of service. And so sometimes like sometimes being of service means like being out in the world and I'm meeting clients and teaching a class or leading a workshop. And sometimes being of service means like staying in and doing my own work. Um, so that shifts from day to day, perfect day to perfect day. This week, it's I've really been feeling the call to slow down. I've really wanted to be in and be writing and be reading. And um, next week, next week I'll be in Austin. Next week I'll be traveling. What's going on in Austin? My grandmother is turning ninety. I'm super excited to be with her. Just like fiery, sharp loving 90 year old woman cool mm -hmm. that answers my question yeah yeah well is there anything else you feel like you would like to share oh you want to say the name of your business sure yeah i uh, my my offerings are under the title whole wild and free so I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash whole wild and free. And really what I want to invite people to with that is to this space. Like I want, I want people to know that there's a place to come where they are seen and safe and held as a whole and perfect exactly how they are yeah it's a good party <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Thank you.